Ladies and gentlemen, review the works of Descartes, calculate your mass using the water displacement method, and tattoo cogito ergo sum on your fists. Because it's time to talk tall to me. That was pretty good. I like I like that eventually the trip the triptychs were completely and utterly random at first. Yeah. But eventually everything has started to coalesce and be themed and consistent. And I like it. Let's not toot our own claghorn too much there. <laughs> I'm Omen Sade. And I'm Nick McGill. And this is Talk Tall to Me, the deep space mission where we chart the unknown territories of the outer reaches of the works of prog rock band Jethro Tull. From Alpha Centauri to Ian Anderson, we will explore every last light year of the universe. And you with us will boldly go where several million people have gone before, but we plan on returning. <laughs> that was good. It was really good. Thank you. We are just about to wrap up the bonus tracks of Benefit within the next two weeks. We certainly are. We took a big bite of Benefit and we've been chewing it up and spitting it into your open fledgling mouths piece by piece. It is sufficiently masticated for you to consume, even if you don't have teeth. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a milkshake. So Nick, what does that what does that mean for us now that we're on the we're on the we're on the precipice of falling off of the benefit album? Does that mean our journey is over? That means the the journey of benefit is over. Okay. And the next album is Aqualung. I know, I know, that's a heavy one. That's yeah. a heavy one. But before we get into Aqualung, because maybe yeah. we need we need some some spa days or something to really prepare ourselves for it. We really do. We are actually going to have two special episodes. Next, on a very special episode of Talk Tall to Me, Omen finally becomes a man. I'm a real boy! Nick finds a dollar. And the true meaning of friendship is learned by all. So, Nick, what are we doing in these very special episodes besides avoiding having to talk on the radio about one of the greatest rock albums of all time? Yeah, that that is definitely one of those things. What we're actually going to do is have a little yeah. concert special is what I what I've been calling it uh, behind the scenes. Our first vocal fan, Jesse Winter, <laughs> was chilly, chilly Jesse Winter, was so gracious enough to not only attend a Tull concert just recently mm -hmm. and report back to us his experience, he also recorded some of the, the tracks. He also recorded some interviews with rando Tull Skulls just like us. Now, this is really, really cool, Nick, because, you know, I think that I can count 
literally on one hand the number of people I've encountered in my life that are actual Jethro Tull fans. Yeah. And so to hear the voices of, you know, people who love Jethro Tull as much as, uh, as, as much as we do has literally almost doubled the number of Tull fans that I have heard the voices of. Oh, man, you may need two hands after these episodes. I often use two hands, Nick. While listening to Jethro Tull. <laughs> that's, that's right. So, so, so we're going to break it up. a lot of claghorn. So, so much. Good thing you've got that sax mouthpiece for it. Yeah. So we're going to break it up into two episodes. One episode is going to be listening to the actual pieces that he recorded of, of the actual concert. And we'll do... Right. Basically, kind of a truncated version of what we do in the show itself and just basically discuss them and see how they, they play them and, and go from there. That's right. The other episode is going to be we're going to listen to all of the interviews yes. and discuss those, you know, and just comment. And I think that's that's a nice way to, to kind of refresh the palate before Aqualung. It will be the grapefruit sorbet before the meat dish that is Aqualung. Honestly, I think if any of if any of the albums are a meat dish, it's Aqualung. It's like a heavy roast. It's like a roasted boar flank. Yeah. With the arrow still in it. Yeah. So, listeners, think of these couple of upcoming episodes as a bit of a tulcation. There you go. Yeah. A bit of a a bit of a a holiday. Prep your mind. Oh, we're, what we're doing is we're we're going we're going back to the present before we go back to the past. We're coming back to the present before we go back to the past. Something along those lines. I think I might have just had a stroke. Or you did have a stroke before you came back to this other stroke. What? <laughs> So, yeah, we've got two more tracks for benefit, two more tracks for benefit, and then we're going to do those two special tracks and then into Aqualung. So we're a month away from Aqualung. Amazing. Moral of the story. That gives us time to really, really get in the mood and just draw out that tension as much as possible. Oh, yeah. That's how we do things here. So that that was housekeeping. I, I suppose we should have called Mary in for that. I apologize to Mary. She's, she's gone on vacation early, actually, hasn't she? She, I think she has. Yeah, she she knew we were going to do the concert schedule, and I, I I sent her. I didn't think I'd need her. It's my, it's my fault. Uh, the yeah. the union can take it up with me. That's fine. Okay, that's um, that's big of you to take responsibility. Uh, hey Nick, guess what I have today? Um, cotton candy that is shaped like Jeffrey Hammond Hammond's paper bag filled with clothes ding 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 first try nailed i was i was i was gonna surprise everybody but (laughs) no you're right you get cotton candy and you get cotton candy (laughs) my fingers are very sticky right now but besides that aside from the cotton candy (laughs) besides that i also have a complete lack of addenda hey look at that no addend no addendumizing necessary today that being said, I do have an email. <gasps> yes, I do. Hashtag, hashtag gasp. Hashtag email gasp. Is it about the show? 
<laughs> no, dear Nick McGill, you are <laughs> you are in arrears with your contract, and <laughs> we will repossess your vehicle. Uh. No, this is the second time that I have gotten a form submission via our website, yes. fecklessmoms.com. Fecklessmoms.com. On the day that we are recording, it's fortuitous. It's fortuitous. It's forlicious. It's for us. Should I read it? Why? It is for us. Will. It is from a gentleman named John Bennett. Let's go over here to the email machine. We already had an email sting that I'm going to use again. Oh, God. Damn it. <laughs> we don't need new stings every time. I'm so sorry. I love them. It is really fun. I'm a sting machine, Nick. I had a lot of fun um, doing the sound design for the stings, so I can't blame you. No, tell me this gentleman's name. Uh, John Bennett. <clears throat> Your emails, sir. Amazing. His message. Thank you for the joyous talk told to me. The first record I bought was the extended play, EP, for you millennials. I added for the millennials part. Uh, oh, that's what EP means. Extended play, yeah. It's a full, uh, a full album? No. It's not a full album, but it's more than just a single. I think we're full of something. Something. He goes on to explain okay. the, the tracks, and it's four tracks, not just two. Right. So the first record I bought was the extended play single featuring Life's a Long Song, Up the Pool, Dr. Bogenbroom, For Later, and Nursey. And for those of you counting at home, that was five, not four. <laughs> I had seen Jethro Tull on Top of the Pops on BBC and was fascinated Whoa. by the way they looked and sounded. This was 1971. I was 13. Oh, my God. I asked for the Aqualung album for Christmas. It was a much heavier sound than I had first encountered, but I grew to love it. I played it over and over. It's like uh, like a boar flank. I went to see them in concert in Bristol, England, where I lived in March the next year, when he was 14. Wow. They opened with Thick as a Brick. I bought the album when it was released a few days later. I love hearing your thoughts about Jethro Tull, and I admire your ambition in considering one song every week. I'm looking forward to listening to you both for some years to come. <laughs> That's true. Oh I just I just reassessed the schedule. We're out to the end of 2023, so buckle in, folks. I do. And this this guy's clearly a Brit, and I love, I I adore the fact that we have someone from across the pond who is clearly just shaking their head. Because of this following sentence, I do find it funny when aspects of British culture, which I take for granted, seem strange and exotic to you. <laughs> mm, mm -hmm, it, may, mm -hmm. it may also be that you don't hear me correcting you when I shout, it's Luton, not Lutton, <laughs> among a few oh. other things. <laughs> How delightful. Uh, and he wraps up with, it is great that two youngish people like yourselves have such enthusiasm Ooh. for the music that has accompanied my life for the last almost half a century. John, <sighs> thank you. Thank you so much, Johnny B. From the bottom of my, I think it's pronounced heart, thank you so much. <laughs> From the batum of my heart, <laughs> it is very pleasant 
to hear from you. Thank you so much for that experience. I uh, There are so many things that that makes me think of. Um, I was just reading about when Tull got asked to play the, the Top of the Pops, which apparently is a big deal in Britain. Is it still, do you reckon? I, I don't have any clue. I don't either. If it has been relegated to the annals of history or if it's like, you know, the British MTV. Yeah. But apparently at the, at the time when they started playing it, it was it was a bit mainstream. It was like quite mm. middle of the road. And so when Tull got on there, people, it was like almost more than the standard audience could could really oh, handle yeah. in terms of style because you had Ian Anderson with his crazy hair and, mm-hmm. and coat and Glenn Cornick, you know, raging out and being quite expressive playing the bass. But, you know, the funny thing, Nick. Um, that they had. I'll co- tell you. Okay. They didn't have the capability to do what is done now, for instance, on Saturday Night Live, which is to do a, a live performance that no one can hear. That was a slight dig against the music performances on Saturday Night Live, in case anyone missed it. So they just played a recording and the band lip synced and yeah. pretended to play their instruments. Well, they did that with um, for for the Rolling Stone rock and roll circus or whatever the heck it was. Right. Back when Tony Iommi played for two hot seconds, <laughs> Ian Anderson was the only one live. Everybody else was playing a, over a track because Tony oh, I, Tony Iommi was literally just a hot body. He They had him there to act like a guitarist because he didn't have time to play anything or to learn anything That's to play it. hilarious. Yeah. The other thing that that made me think of when J.J. Boeing was a, a young lad and going to see the concerts and being really taken with with Tull. It reminds me of another young man who asked his mother to take him to those concerts, Some probably some of those very same concerts when he was 11 or 12 years old. And that young man was Omen Sade. No. <laughs> no, that young man was Doan Perry. Oh, Joan Perry wrote a letter to the band when he was like 11. His mother brought him to a show when he was 12, and he got to go backstage and meet the band. Was his age difference that drastic? Yeah. Well, well I, mean, I mean, it's 10 we, years. I they guess were only, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, that's exactly. true. But still, I thought he was of that same, that same guard. No, he was a bit younger. Wow. Big Boy Doan. Big Boy Doan is a drummer. He can play the tambourine. Johnny Bennett. You could have been the drummer of Jethro Tull. At least the tambourinist. I mean, let's be reasonable. At least the tambourinist. Ta- tambouriner. <laughs> you know, one time I was on the tube in London, and I was a bit lost, and so I said, uh, John, me, sir. I'm, John, in case you get confused, the tube is the subway. <laughs> so I asked a gentleman, I said, excuse me, sir, is this the train to Southwark? And he said, you mean Southwark? Oh, man, guess what? What? You've already told that story on this very podcast. Oh, dear. Well, <laughs> Grandpa, that. Grandpa Omen starting to repeat his stories. Back to John. Thank you again so much. I implore all of our listeners, send us those emails. They're great. John, we, we look forward to talking tall to you for years to come. Specifically, for years to come. Until 2023. And Nick? Omen. Maybe that's a good transition point. I think it is. We are about 20 minutes into this episode. We should probably get into the meat and potatoes of uh, this track. So let me ask you, Nick. Yes. What 
are we listening to this week? This week, we are listening to the third of the bonus tracks off of Benefit, Just Trying to Be. Let's have a listen. Let's try to listen. Let's just try to listen. <laughs> There was a time when you were so young and Nick, I'm not going to lie to you. That way. I have little goosebumps on my skin. This song is so beautiful. It's so pretty. I love this song. Uh, what a morsel. What a dainty little nugget. Thank you. One third... <laughs> and this song sure yes, is but, <laughs> but let's talk about the song. Just a minute 37. It's one of the shorter songs. Is it the shortest song that we have thus far encountered? Um, leading up until this point, previous albums included, you're saying? Yes. I don't think so. I would have to go back and look. It's pretty gosh darn close, but I know there are there are one or two on the previous albums that are, are pretty short. So to, to put the rambling aside, I don't think so. <laughs> I forgot what the question was. Uh, Nick, can I point something out about this song? Uh, please. That's the whole point. I, I, I am pretty sure that this is the first song chronologically that we've talked about in the Jethro Tull stellar constellation that is 100% acoustic. Yeah. Yep. Oh my goodness. Two instruments. That's it. The guitar. And... The Glockenspiel. Is that the Glockenspiel? Ah, yeah, it is a Glockenspiel. I wasn't sure. I was I was looking up all the different versions of those those hammered acoustic instruments, trying to figure out which one it was. Jawohl, but it is a Glockenspiel. Ich bin ein Glockenspiel. Meine Hosen ist eine Lieberhausen Glockenspiel. My pants? No. Yeah, my pants. My pants like my, are in. Like I said, my pants are a love house. Oh, ooh, my goodness! That's the only thing I remember from associating with the girls who took German in high school. I only know sehr sehr gut, sehr gut, and uh, Lebkuchen. Oh, is that a cookie? It's a it's a love cookie, Lebkuchen. Oh, a Lebkuchen. Well, great. So um, that was fun. <laughs> So what's the difference between a glockenspiel and a xylophone? Does a xylophone have to be wood? I think that's a marimba. I You are incorrect. Oh, glocken <laughs> for bells and spiel for set. Yeah, it's a bell set, obviously. It's a set, it's a set of bells. They used to call it a, um, a, glo- a, a wacken glocken. That's that, it, false. Okay. <laughs> so it's some kind of a hammered instrument. It's uh, It may be a glockenspiel. It may be um, the other thing that you said. No, it looks like the both the xylophone and marimba are wood. Mm-hmm. Oh, the marimba is an octave lower than the xylophone. This has been hammered percussion with me. <laughs> <laughs> Hem and haw hammered percussion to me. Glock, glock my spiel. 
But right, it's it's just the two instruments. The spiel on glockenspiels. There it is. Ooh. Yep. So, Nick, yeah. let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon that the glockenspiel, if that's what it is, was being played by John Evan? I think it was the glockenspiel. And <laughs> <laughs> the, mo- the more important question, yes, I think it was the glockenspiel. I think that's I, that sounds the most probable. Yeah, I think so. That sounds the most likely because it's more than just Clive Bunker smash or John Evans smash for that matter. <laughs> it's it right. It's it's, it's a key. It's, it's a, a keyboard. keyboard player. Yeah, it's a keyboard. Yeah, played with mallets. Yeah. Would you like to know Nick a a little bit of a fun fact about John Evan? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. So as we've previously mentioned, John Evan was living in the same flat complex as Ian Anderson. Mm-hmm. Shall I read you an excerpt from an interview that John Evan gave? At this point, I don't think I can say no. I mean, you, you could. I love that you give me the options, but no, I mean, yeah, go ahead. John Evan recalls in some depth how he joined the band. I managed to get a place at at London University in September of 1968 and kept in touch with Jeffrey, who was at art school in London. I managed to get a studio with the same source that Ian had, the sort of place that hadn't been redecorated for 40 years. I paid £4.5 shillings a week, about $10, and that was near central London. Ian would be off with his new band, Jethro Tull, seven nights a week, and occasionally he'd come back to his studio flat and I'd see him and we'd talk about what was happening. He kept saying, why don't you come and do some playing with us? And I kept saying, I've got no time, really. (laughs) But you know how it is, sooner or later you think, I'm getting pretty bored with studying. I think I'll take him up on the offer to come and put down some keyboard tracks, especially as a student who is a bit short on money. I think I was paid around $1,000 for doing the benefit sessions, and that was a lot of money for me back then. Just to clarify, for his work on benefit, he made 100 months in rent. I mean, that does see... His saying, what did he say? That was okay money or something? Yeah, pretty good money at the time. Yeah, that seems like a very downplayed understatement to me. Yes, otherwise known as being British. There's an opposite to hyperbole. Low-perbole. No, it's... Uh, I Small-perbole. I understand that was a... I, <laughs> small-perbole. Little-perbole. Asymptotus? Atymptotus? I beg your pardon, sir. <laughs> I haven't had that in years. I've had all of my shots. Thank you. <laughs> Not helpful... Anything, anything, the internet is not being uh, helpful. Why don't we do an addendum on the opposite of hyperbole? Damn. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) So despite us being under the impression that they were, like, scraping pennies and really trying to get by in this era, they, they paid John Evan a grand. Well, this isn't, I mean, this isn't in the days of Ian Henderson's bag of nails. No. This is, you know, this is well on their way to superstardom. I guess, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, this this one sold a crap ton, and Aqualung's after this. An American expression for one million copies. That's, yep, that's the conversion rate, yeah. And and Ian was living in a in a small, cheap apartment 
partly because he was on the road almost seven nights a week. Yeah, that's very true. So why would he rent a bigger place? Okay, yeah, that's super valid. But who... Oh, he wasn't married to Jenny yet. Never mind. I was going to say, I was, I was wondering what the uh, living situation was once they got married, but it's it's too early for that. That's a very curious question. Very curious indeed. Very curious, Nick. You sound like Dr. Ian Malcolm. Who's that? It is the amazing character that launched Jeff Goldblum into stardom for our generation he's he's the chaos theorician from jurassic park oh with the sexy water droplets <laughs> yes yep. yes yeah that yeah i will take that as a compliment so nick here is the here's the part of the show where i will once again catch you off guard by asking you no i knew this was coming why you had all episode two. <laughs> I, I know. Around. I know. We've been all over the place, though. <laughs> and yet here we are. Nick, what is this song about to you? This feels like one of the autobiographical. We're going to put this in the, the, the autobiographical file of this is me as Ian Anderson. This is us as Jethro Tull addressing you, our fan. Or fans, <laughs> our single fan. Our, you well, I mean, making it more personal. I know, I know what you mean. He's I talking mean. to me. It feels to me like he's he's reaching out to the fans and saying that the man is going to tell you that we're crazy rock stars and you should be listening to some other much simpler and calmer music. Don't follow the guy with the super crazy long hair. Don't trust him. He's probably just a hippie and smokes smokes dope. Although he certainly Although didn't. he certainly didn't. He probably didn't even know how to do a weed. <laughs> and I I I feel like it's saying don't listen to them. They're blowing it out of proportion. Yeah. They're saying that you're going the wrong way, that we're going to lead you astray, and you may feel ostracized for it. You may feel alone for it. But we're here for you, and you've got fans, and you've got friends to share the music with. And then there's that final, the final two lines, and they can't see that we're just trying to be and not what we seem and even now believe that it's not real and only a dream. And they can't see that we're just trying to be not what we see. And even now believe that it's not real and only a dream. And I think that that is really just acknowledging, like, yeah, I am kind of playing the character. Right. I am playing the rock star. And I, yeah, I am living a dream because I've always wanted to be a rock star or, or whatever. And I'm not here to corrupt you, essentially. You know, you can still listen yeah. to our music. I'm not here to corrupt you. Fascinating take, Nick. <laughs> but you're wrong. 
No, I, you know, you, I was going to say that when you started off, but you've actually, you've actually swayed me over to your, your line of logic with this. I, for me, it speaks less directly from the band to the fan Mm -hmm. and more, although I think you, I think you make some very convincing points for me, it, it speaks to me more on a general human level. Okay. From Ian Anderson in the role of the kind of mystery shaman, the Pied Piper of weirdness, if you will, <laughs> which is very, you know, and, and the song I sing will lead you astray. I mean, it is, he's totally, he's literally the Pied Piper. He's leading us all off. And that the song I sing will lead you astray. He's done the rats and now he's, and now and now we're the rats but i think that um i feel like it's it's saying it, it's describing part of the natural progression of of maturing which is you know when you were young you have to follow the path set out by other people and you get rewarded for being on that path mm-hmm. they made you feel loved all seeing all seeing they say they made you feel they loved you all you know, because you have the perception that the people who are older than you know what's best for you. And then ultimately, for most people, you develop a sense of dissatisfaction with doing just what other people say you should be doing and, and just following the path laid out for you by others. Uh-huh. And then you have to step onto your own path. And I think that I think that for me, that's what Ian is saying. He's saying, look, I've done it. I'm in a position where I can really speak to this. I play the flute in a weird jacket for a living. (laughs) If I can make it, you know, so can you. And maybe you're right. Maybe it is, you know, like, maybe it is about rock and roll. Maybe it is about Jethro Tull. But I do, I do love the, I want to pull out that last line as well. uh, And even now believe that it's not real and only a dream. I mean, there's something so poetic about that. It reminds me of The Tempest. Uh, we are such stuff as dreams have made are made of, and our little and our little life is rounded with a sleep. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a more general, general spiritual developmental shaman baking powder. Is it saffron? I'm just now saying words. Is this your grocery list? Cut me off! No, <laughs> yes, ah, I see. Uh huh. Oh, wrong piece of paper. And I'm back to my notes. <laughs> I like I like that too. What I think that we have two really good takes on the song, mm-hmm. and I don't think either one of them are wrong. I mean, until we set up our interview with Ian Anderson and really settle it once and for all. But for now, <laughs> for now, we we have only our interpretation. What part of my interpretation was it that kind of swayed you? to my side. I think it's just your excellent language skills and your, your pleasant voice. <laughs> so I could have been reading my grocery list and that would have swayed you. Yeah. That's what you're saying? Yeah. Huh? Uh, yeah, I would have been, I would have been like, yes, eggs. Yes, we do yes. need bananas. <laughs> yes, unsalted butter. I, I couldn't agree more. Oh no, we are a salted butter house. Oh. 
even for baking. Much to my chagrin. Mm, well, A, we don't bake a whole lot. Oh, Nick, in, Eng- in England, it's chagrin. Oh, is it? The E is, mm. e, the e is pronounced there? Yeah, the E is violent. The, 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 e is, the E is, there's just an E there. It's one of those that we don't have the yeah. E, they have the E. Right. No, Ray, Ray will not stand for unsalted butter. It's it's one of the battles I don't I don't choose to fight. I don't use butter yeah. a whole lot yeah. anyway. So. In a partnership, you you pick you pick which hills you want to die on, and then yeah, uh, let this be a lesson to you as you go into your your marriage, Omen. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate these words of wisdom mm-hmm. from you. Yep. I do want to make an observation about Ian Anderson's voice in this song. This song is so gorgeous. This song is so light. You know, having an acoustic moment here is is so refreshing yeah and Ian Anderson's voice is you know when you watch a, nat- a nature documentary and you watch some kind of like an eastern mountain eagle pecking its way out of its shell when it's being born and using that little horn on the top of its beak and then it it kind of just pops its little head out of its shell and it's like that's what I feel like his voice is doing in this song. It's like it was incubating. It was being sat on by the mother eagle of artistic genius. And now we are finally seeing the voice of Ian Anderson raise its strange, wet, naked, beaky head and beg for worms. And I am so excited. It's called an egg tooth, by the way. Oh, thank you. No, you're, yes, an egg tooth. You're welcome. So you're saying he's... He's finally found his voice, essentially. His his literal singing voice. Yeah, I'm I, I'm really starting to hear because because as we listen further on Aqualung, it's it's so much stronger. You know. Yeah. You know, he really knows how to use it. And recall, they're still in their very early twenties, and the voice changes. Right. Sure. The voice doesn't mature. You know, an opera singer doesn't really get their full opera voice until. Are you waiting for me to answer that, or? No, oh, I. Until later, until later. It certainly feels crisper. Mm. It feels there's a clarity there. It cuts through. And maybe that's just because there's not a lot of, uh, for lack of a better term, noise in the background. Maybe that's so. Maybe it's because he's not having to to scream over, you know, the bunker bash and the, um, the cornic cacophony. The barbarage. The barbarage, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. And it feels, again, also probably because it's acoustic, it feels less affected. Right. This is one of the first where it does genuinely feel like in 2019, I can see Ian Anderson sitting in a coffee shop with just an acoustic guitar singing this song. You know, it's interesting. You know, I know that as the concerts have gone on, they have experimented a little bit with the acoustic side of things, but I'm going to read you from the voice of Clive Bunker a little tidbit on that. Give me the intro. Give me the drumming intro. Give me the Bunker Bash. Do we need a drum sting? Yeah, do it. Brace yourself for the Bunker Bash. (laughs) Not at all what I was expecting, (laughs) but I love it. All right, here's Clive Bunker talking about Ian Anderson. Over the years, I've told him many, many times um, that he should Omen. record. Yeah, he wasn't American. 
Over the years, I've told him many, many times that he should record an acoustic album because so much of his acoustic material was so wonderful. I don't know why he hasn't done it because some of the nicest songs have been the acoustic ones. I get the impression that the big thing in his head that has been stopping him is that, quote, nobody wants to come and see me unless I'm standing on one leg and leaping about. End quote. I think he has always been worried about the fact that he couldn't get away with not leaping about for the sake of the show. And I don't think he needs to. I think those songs alone would carry any show. This has been the Bunker Bash. <laughs> Do you reckon that early on... No, you know what? I was going to ask, was Ian's accent a lot thicker? But we've heard... We've heard interviews from back then, and he didn't. He never had a Scottish accent. No, we actually. Uh, he he apparently had, there was. Um, I think it was John Evan actually, or maybe Hammond. One of his schoolmates said that when he first arrived at their at their school in the north of England, he did have a Scottish accent, and then like within three or four weeks, it had disappeared. Wow, he had made himself learn the local accent and like sort of sound like he was from nowhere. Oh, it's it's very like it's he's he's basically RP now. What is it? Received pronunciation? Your standard like that's that's the BBC standard, I believe. It's just I thought I thought RP stood for rectal proctology. Mm, in my world, it's role playing. So ooh, god, yeah, Omen, you just nerd alert. <laughs> says the guy making a podcast about a band. <laughs> says the guy who thought it was re- rectal proctology. Yeah, no, you're right. He he has a very he has a very neutral, non-localized accent. Oh yeah, yeah. Certainly not localized to Scotland. No, but you know, RP it's received from school. You go to school to learn mm. it. Mm. I did not know that. Yeah, whereas he was in a like a, a local place where they didn't, you know, they wouldn't have been taught that. I don't reckon. So he sort of did it himself. He did it to himself. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was no finishing done. He. He adapted. Life finds Ian a Anderson way. Life is in finds a way, Dr. Ian Malcolm. Thank you. What's the what's the voice? What's the Ian Malcolm voice? <laughs> the the Do the it. way I get into it is because <laughs> <laughs> he has a weird laugh at some point. Like, <laughs> yeah. Am I doing it? Kind of, <laughs> yeah. Let me put this water on your hand. And, uh, and, and the, the, the water droplets, even if we uh, completely dry the hand and, and you, you oh, drip the good. water. Yeah, it's very chaotic. Mm, and then he turns into the dad in the second one. It's 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 a very weird transition. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sexy dad. Strange. Yeah, but he's not the weird like chaos guy anymore. He's just no, he's just a, no. Yeah. That's what happens when you become a father, Nick. You should know that. I have my life has become nothing but more chaotic since I've had a kid. <laughs> Nick, speaking of chaos, do we have anything more to add to just trying to be? I don't think so. I mean, like we said, it's a pretty short song. We covered the simplicity and beauty of the the instrumentation. I think we both have our lyric interpretation. We're, We're walking down a path that forks right at the end. Yeah, we're holding hands. We're holding hands, and we we are still our fingertips are still touching as we walk down that fork. Yeah, who knows where we'll end up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
probably at the bar. The, the bar's on your side at the end of your path. What's at the end of mine, Omen? Martin Bar. <laughs> I was not expecting that at all. <laughs> and even now, I believe that it's not real and only a Well, until next week. Uh, wait, what are we listening to next week, though? Oh, hey, Nick. <laughs> yes, Oman. What are we listening to next week? Next week is the final track off of Benefit. Finally. Ooh, We've been doing Benefit since the beginning of August. Yeah, it's a bunch of Benefit. And it will be the beginning of November. So what is the song? The song is Teacher. Oh, delightful. Yeah. I have a red shiny apple for that song. Yeah, can't wait. Until then, until we talk tall to you about teacher, you can just try to be and give us a review. Just try to be that's... a great fan. Oh, there yeah, you go. Thank you for rescuing yeah, me. That was rough. That. I was I was sinking. Oh, fast. it was right there. It was perfect. Just yeah. try to be a good fan and rate us, review us, send in an email. The email doesn't help us in terms of getting seen, but it really boosts our spirits. It's just it's just so lovely to hear from fellow Tullites. Yeah. Tall skulls, bar brains. Toulouse-Lautrec. Ooh, Toulouse-Lautrec. That's yeah. delightful, Nick. I like I've always that. loved that name. Hmm. You've never called me that name. Well, I call that thing to things I love, Omen. Until next week, <laughs> I'm Omen Sade. And I'm Nick McGill. We are Feckless Moms. And this is Talk Tall to Me. Talk Tall to Me is a proud member of the radio network, which is called Feckless Moms Audio Network. Thank you so much, Mr. Bunker. I, I appreciate that. I'll just be on my way. Is Omen still there? I'll see. I'll call him back. Oh, oh, little brown man. Yeah, here I am, Mr. Bunker. Please don't call me that anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm back, Nick. Omen, I just, yeah. now that we're off the air, I just want you to know I yeah. do love you. It was just a, it was just for like giggles. I know, Nick. We have that. We have that tattoo to remind me. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. I'll see you later. All right. Mwah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>